0: You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast.
1: you
2: thought. I'm Rachel Nemeth.
3: And I'm Tom Canning. And welcome to episode 124 of the Real Reading Podcast. Like us on Twitter, Real Reading Pod, and search Real Reading Podcast Group to join us on Facebook. We are taking a look at this week's headlines, including that eagerly awaited update on the Graisley Garden Town. Um, we've been flooded with literally zero messages for people eager to know your
1: take, Hugh. You. <laughs>
2: mm. oh. Wow. Well,
1: that's a blow. Obviously, there's a big fan base <laughs> out there for yes, me. It's huge fan base. Don't know who you are? I know, yeah. A
2: million Compl-
1: views or whatever it was. People don't want to hear me with waffling on about planning applications. Or not. In this case, Well,
3: we're going to do it anyway. Um, we've also got news of Reading's own mass vaccination centre, which Hugh has been to. Yeah. Uh, and plus news that there sadly won't be a Reading Beer Festival again for the second year running um however i do have a slightly positive spin on this and i'll, I'll we'll come to that we'll, we'll we'll come to it um however before we get on with all that and i suppose first of all i should say hey rach hey how are you
2: i'm all right
3: you've had um, Quite... you've, you've had some good news this week
2: Oh, schools, I, have... <laughs> I wondered where you were going with that it felt a bit <laughs> i was a bit suspicious of you
3: <laughs> you're right <laughs> very right <laughs> schools
2: Oh, the schools! Hallelujah! Yeah, although the rumours sort of on what what day was it that um, was it Monday, Monday, wasn't it? Yes. Although the rumours were kind of flying around and the media was reporting on it through most of the day that that was going to happen, I refused to believe it and get excited (laughs) until I saw it from Boris's own mouth that yes, the scores can return
3: on the eighth. I The thing I love about all these announcements is that everybody goes, oh, well, the media are putting it out there. The media is saying this, you know, why don't they just wait until Boris says... You do realise that they are telling the media that... that's what's happening isn't it
2: of course they are they leak it to see what reaction they get to certain (laughs) announcements and then i guess they can tweak things slightly if it gets a very very bad reaction
3: i'm not that's not a conspiracy theory that i'm on is it that that's that's correct
2: it
1: seems that way yes and i don't get leaked anything from the um from downing street directly to me um uh, no me and me and Mr. (laughs) mr boris johnson do not have a direct line sadly i don't have a a Boris phone that's red and flashes when Boris needs Boris Johnson needs to tell me information. Sadly, um, but yeah, it seems. Yeah, I think certain journalists on certain publications get briefed by, or or quote unquote leaked yes. to beforehand because it always comes out the day before. Yeah, and the information is usually exactly the same as what he says. and We all know what he's going to say, so. I don't think there's a massive conspiracy here. I think it's quite a deliberate tactic. Yeah, like Rachel says, get a bit of feedback before. Yeah. Before, um, it and, seems
3: it seems the national publications will take it in turn as well. Because the other week it was the Times. Monday this weekend this week it was the Guardian. Um, they they seem to they seem to sort of take it in turns to break this information.
1: Yeah, it tends to be fav- more favorable ones, doesn't it? The um, yeah. the, the Daily Boris, sorry, the uh, the Telegraph <laughs> and the. Um, and the mail tend to get a lot of uh, little leaks, I think. So as, as you'd expect. So
3: so sorry, we've diverged massively there, but Rach, you're excited.
2: I'm, I'm relieved. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know not everybody will agree with me that it is the, the right thing for kids to go back. And I don't know what the policies will be on like, if you choose not to send your child back, whether there's any consequences of that, I would assume probably not at this point in time but um yeah like i said to you before we started that there were there was other things in the announcement <laughs> but all, all <laughs> i heard was 8th of march and everything else was a bonus afterwards just yeah um, it's just it's the right thing for for our child and for us um and talking to a friend of mine who works in the education sector that apparently well, I'm, this is I'm just relaying information but the younger years um uh so key stage one which I think is like foundation year one year two were arguably the most affected year groups um in the first round of lockdown um, because it's such a formative point in their lives so um I'm just so relieved. And we're so lucky that our teachers are already, they're in place at, at the school already and teaching the, the key, um, key worker kids. So it's sort of ready to go. And I'm sure the the teachers it, in some respects will be, I know it increases the risk and they're probably worried about that. But to not have to be producing so much homeworking material has surely got to be a bit of relief because... Our school has like gone above and beyond for for Zach's class, certainly of what they've produced, so it must take them a great deal of time to do it
1: it's odd it's odd, isn't it that the the government has throughout this has talked about how important it is to get back to schools kids back to schools, but yet at the same time they've never they've never considered really prioritizing school staff for vaccination at all. I know how important it is for, to get the older people um, vaccinated um, so, so they're safe, but you, you you would perhaps think that that they would, if they, because what, the scenario that nobody wants, I imagine, Rach, is that for your kids to go, for Zach to go back to school and then two weeks later his class to get sent home because their teacher's got caught COVID off, caught COVID from, yeah. from them or from someone. And yeah. if the teachers had subsequently been, back, been vaccinated before they went back to school, that's a much lower risk of that happening. Um, but that, that doesn't seem to have been ever considered. So you've got government with one hand saying children must get back to school, but also saying we're not going to vaccinate any teachers. And certainly from what we were writing about before Christmas, classes were coming back from school all the time. 30 kids Mm -hmm. straight back at home, um, teachers off, support staff off. And I'm sure the schools will be doing everything they possibly can to avoid this. But if um, if that is the case, it's going to be it's going to be difficult for everyone involved to to manage to organize themselves. And. And. Could, you know, from your point of view, Rachel, if he got, if he went back to school for two weeks and was happy at being back with his mates and all that sort of stuff, and then got got sent back again within a month, say because there had been a a mini outbreak, so the t- teacher of one class was off, so then he had to yeah. come back for for ten days or whatever. That doesn't help anyone, does it? Really?
2: Um, no, and I think emotionally we are more so in this lockdown since Christmas. We are seeing the emotional impact as well as the Educational with with Zach, and um, especially because we can't get outside as much. And you're right, Hugh, that if you know, we tell him you can't see your friends, you can't go to school. Oh, hang on, Boris says you can go to school, yeah, you can go back and see your friends, and then two weeks later, yeah, no, you can't go back, yeah, two more weeks off. It's just the emotional (laughs) roller coaster of that, and it's so confusing to a child that isn't isn't able to understand all the ins and outs and whys and wherefores of it. They just know there's a bug and that it's really bad and we've got to be careful, but it, you can't keep moving the goalposts for them. So totally agree. The teachers should have been prioritised. We can't expect them to put themselves um, in the front line for our kids. And But yeah, we're, we're not going to protect you whilst you do that. You've just got to take the risks and it's, doesn't seem right to me either
3: shall we just shimmy on um i wanted to talk about not monorail but motor rail
2: oh you you love motor rail briefly
3: we briefly discussed motor rail Mm. towards the end of last week's podcast Hugh, are you familiar with motor rail
1: not in the slightest and i did listen to last week's podcast but i've forgotten this (laughs) <laughs> Thrilling Rachel, and riveting conversation.
3: Motorail. Rachel, do you, you remember motor our motorail conversation from last week?
2: I do. Are okay. You, are so, you test oh I thought you were going to test me oh, then no, 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 to no, see no, if no. I remembered what it so was. This
3: motorail was a thing in uh oh goodness i've done some research but you know i totally forgot to look up the uh the date so just gonna very quickly wikipedia it um motor rail, dates of operation 1955 to 1995 and there was a little bit of 99 to 2005. Uh, so is quite moment. recent yeah well I, I have no recollection of motor rail in the slightest no but in th- basically, how it was this is this is how it went. Um, a chap called Tim Dunn on Twitter, who is the presenter of a very fine TV show called uh, The Architecture the Railways Built, and I think that's on the Yesterday TV channel. Um, he publicised a poster and map of motor rail where you could basically drive your car onto a train at your local station and go somewhere. So um, this map has Reading as uh one of the one of the main platforms for it and you can go all the way down to cornwall uh, and it's a lovely little trip and i i just i've been fascinated with it ever since i uh ever since i found out about this so you can you can basically you, you the, the idea was in theory you drive you uh you got on at reading and you could just get go and sit in a carriage while your car is on the back of the train and go all the way down to st austell in cornwall which sounds great doesn't it it's um yeah. it's, it's, it's very uh, it's very much um uh Eurostar kind of thinking and so but as I say I have absolutely no recollection I mean 1955 I wasn't alive but you'd have thought in 1995 maybe I'd maybe one of us would remember something so anyway I went on to Facebook and I put something on our Facebook group the Real Reading Podcast Facebook group uh, no responses so I'm thinking, didn't happen. Didn't happen. Didn't
2: happen. Or, oh, nobody's but, been lucky enough
3: but, to uh, go on it. I'm very, very happy to say that another group, the Memories of Old Reading group on Facebook, uh, has done a lot of the heavy lifting for us here. Uh, not only have we had uh, proper info, there's actually a motor rail group on Facebook, there's also photos of this there's in action. A fan club? There's a fan club, um, and we've actually got some kind of eyewitness testing. So uh, Richard Norton is the man who has posted the fan group and has contributed a couple of bits. But the key, the key information here comes from, a, some, comes from someone called Robin Goss on Facebook, on the Memories of Old Reading Facebook group. He said, used it for holiday in 1972, went to Fishguard, then ferry across to Ireland, went in Friends, Vauxhall Viva, four of us, and all our gear. Great camping holiday for two weeks and not a drop of rain, then returned Jenny to Reading. Good service, quite efficient. That's a that's a fine trip oh. advisor review if you ask me. Um, I did ask him uh, a little bit more about that just to elaborate, um, because it occurs to me there's, there must you know there would have been an on-ramp in Reading, um, but he he said. Um, he said there was a basically it was a small four-wheeled flat wagon that allowed cars to drive on from the side of the loading dock they then drove onto a larger flat or flats and then these were shunted to the station and joined the main train the passengers having embarked from the station platform the loading ramp was behind the station on the Caversham Road entrance next to the panel box i'm not sure what the panel box is but i'm sure we will find out in due course mm. um, but he says basically and i can i can imagine you sort of you in your your your, uh, your soft top car you know scarf blazing out the back um he said we drove up the road opposite the fire station you turned into the station onto the ramp on the north side next to platforms 910 at the west end sorry that's all i can remember but it was there it happened it's a real thing and you used to be able to drive onto the train and go down to corn which is just great so there we go motor motor rail solved solved
2: yeah mystery solved
3: hugh would you would you would you like a motor rail? I mean, that drive down to Cornwall is an absolute pain.
1: It just goes on forever. And then sooner yeah. or later you get, you get off a motorway and find yourself on, in roads that are only as wide as your car. <laughs> and then eventually you meet a, another car and have to try and reverse up these roads and end up in head. Yes. So mm-hmm. Um, you know, it sounds like a, a sort of land ferry, doesn't it? It's, yes. Um, that sounds quite nice. Sounds yeah. great.
2: Sounds absolutely. Sounds more appealing now that you've described that the cars go onto yeah. flatbeds on the back and then the passengers yeah. go into an actual train. I was thinking if it's like the Eurostar where you just drive into like a storage container and sit there for an hour, which is fine for an hour, but four or five hours to Cornwall would be yeah. really boring. Yeah,
3: I mean, I remember working down there in 20, summer of 2017. I was working down there five weeks. And every Friday, you'd have to take me the best part seven hours to get home. Oh, oh dear. The amount of traffic. In
2: Plymouth, was that? Uh, Truro. Oh, Truro.
3: Oh, just absolute night. It was the M5 that was the worst. That was the, that was the worst bit. Mm. Anyway, so that's Motor Rail. Uh, If anybody does have any memories of Motor Rail, we'd love to hear them. Um, here's Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us.
0: Get in touch with the team email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod, and join our Facebook group by searching real Reading podcast
3: right we it's headline time we go straight into the headline time and Hugh it's your time to shine um, I think last week we uh, we put the listeners off we we said come back next week for some Graisley garden town. News. Um, so, Hugh, what is going on with the Graisley Garden Town? That, if people haven't read the story, what is going on?
1: So, the this was a plan, a um, n- not an application as such, but a uh, a plan between I think three councils: West Berkshire Council, Wokingham and Man Reading, to essentially make what what would be what they call a garden village, which is. Fifteen thousand houses on a fairly big bit of land in Graysley, which is on the outskirts of Reading, um, bordering. It's very close to the Reading Borough border. It's but it's in Wokingham, but it's also very close to the West Berkshire border as well. So you can see why um, the councils have identified this land as a way of building a lot of houses to try to reduce their own um housing allocations i.e we're building a huge amount of houses in one place for each of the boroughs so people can live there um however it doesn't it, it is stalling because it's too close to um the awe nuclear
3: yes AWE
1: yeah and so
2: Is that different to Aldermaston?
1: Yes, Uh, it's very close to both of them, essentially, but it's closer to the one in Burfield. But it's in what they call the um, detailed emergency planning zone around the factory. So this is the area which would be affected if there was any kind of radiation emergency. And the uh, Ministry of Defence says it's not safe to build thousands of homes there because, because of the problems it would cause in the event of, God forbid, a radiation emergency coming from those two sites in Burfield and Aldermarton which are in West Berkshire. Um, however, the this is the decision which has led to the project very much stalling. Basically they can't do anything, I think, because of this 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 intervention from the MOD. However, it's led to a court case from the housing companies involved, which are Chris Nicholson, Hallam Land Management and Wilson Enterprises Limited, who took West Barch Council to court and challenged the decision to extend the emergency planning zone um, through a judicial review, which is a very long and expensive, complicated um, legal procedure. They, their argument was the council had failed to provide sufficient reasons for the decision and the oversight and the decision making process was deficient. Uh, short story is this has failed. The, the, uh, the judge, Mrs Justice Thornton, ruled in favour of the council, it it did have to extend the zone. And the decision was based on a highly technical, scientific, predictive assessment that was conducted correctly by nuclear experts. Am I? Uh, uh,
3: so sure. go on. Sorry,
1: I don't want to get bogged down in illegalese here. The short story is that um, that this means almost certainly that the um, this development is um, unlikely to happen at at, at this stage. Um, there are no rules as such to say you cannot build homes in the um, in the protection zone. Um, but the um it, it it would make it extremely unlikely from to get planning permission now the council would have to very much consider the effect of building houses in this zone it, it could basically cause all sorts of problems um and now i think i think there is another story during the rounds um about how wokingham is now having to essentially explore other areas to build houses one of which is shinfield where huge amounts of houses have been built in the past so it'd be interesting to see if they get that that particular area shinfield in Wokingham on the edge of reading um, gets more more housing there the garberfield was another area they talked about and so i think the thinking might be moving up one to Away from having fifteen thousand homes in one place to having smaller developments in other places. Um,
2: Can you give a uh, like visually uh, fifteen thousand homes? Tom and I were trying to think how big oh God. that was.
3: Um, how many football pitches?
2: Like, but no, like how do we know how many houses are in Caversham, for example? How does it compare size-wise? Because it sounds enormous to me, and I, it must be years and years of building work.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Ten plus probably twenty years. Well, fifteen years. If you think that Station Hill in Reading is something like um the the most I think is something like they need sort of eighteen hundred homes if they if um if they build all the homes that they they say they, they want and that's a ten year project in the town centre. of which half of it's already been uh, demolished Um, so what's that 10 times that roughly so you're looking at a very long project obviously they would build houses and uh, and open them they wouldn't build all 15,000 and then try and sell them all after building them Um, so I I don't off the top of my head I don't know any um how many homes there are in these places but i know lower early was a massive a massive um at at one point it was the biggest housing estate in europe um i couldn't tell you how many houses are there but it's it, you're right Rach, it's, it's absolutely massive it's essentially creating another town i've got woodley in my head as well as a sort of comparison but you know it's creating a suburb at least fifteen yeah. thousand homes um it's it's what we always used to call mini uh, mini towns if not more than that er, woodley's a town early's a town um so I don't know whether Graysley would become technically end up becoming a town or not but um it, you are right as I ramble on without really knowing the exact numbers um,
2: <laughs> That was a very we, roundabout answer.
1: We we can confirm that if this was to take place, it would be a really really massive development, and there would be major infrastructure <laughs> put in a, put in around it as well. Expert
2: um, reporting that it. It yes. would, in conclusion, be massive.
1: <laughs> absolutely massive. And and
2: sorry, absolutely massive.
1: <laughs> yeah, and um, the improvements to the um, Madeski roundabout, which have already already been done. Um, could well have been done to prepare for this looking back on them i don't know if that is the case but
2: um, do they do stuff like that i suppose they do they have to plan ahead don't yeah. they
1: long-term joined up thinking yeah love it um but i don't know if that's that's true it's a, it's it's a, a feeling from people around the some of these areas that that was the reason that eventually they were going to develop in but I don't know if that if that was the case, because that you remember what that roundabout used to be like before they did the work. It was a nightmare anyway. Yeah, God. So God. yeah. But I wonder what would happen
2: to... now anyway, if like if housing did go ahead in that area, even if they couldn't go as big as they wanted to. Now this story is out in the public domain, but you know, would you want to live that close to potentially a, a radiation well, problem
1: this is true yeah um but I, I grew up in the living in the what bound was bound to be the radiation zone and there's nothing wrong with me i mean these
2: uh, these extra know? fingers these extra
1: fingers have proved have proved useful over the years for, <laughs> my typing is world class now but um but um uh, um Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Yes, I
2: just wonder if it would put people off that's all. There are
1: major developments within within this this zone already. Um, whether the zone came after the building of the AWE and or not, um,
3: it's because um, I, if I remember re- from reading the story last week, this this whole zone expansion came around from after the Fukushima disaster in Japan. I think um, it became yeah. this this zone became much more much larger and um much more people were a lot more concerned about it
1: yeah um yeah. yeah i don't know the the history of it um whether whether they suddenly realized that there might be a radiation problem with uh, with nuclear weapons after they built out Bur- after they built burfield and Aldermaston. but um you know there's massive housing developments yeah. being built in burfield now as we speak um so the concept of development it's not like these areas where you're not allowed to build anything they you know there's there's work going on everywhere so it can't be the be all and end all of non-development but it seems like the mod stepping in is probably the um <laughs> the big the big issue That's the we'll, end, we'll is have to see it might come back um but it might not and then you might see other houses the long-suffering people of shinfield might find themselves with another four or five thousand houses um there so we'll
3: have well, to see should we just move on to the second story on our list this is another i'm, I'm afraid rachel this is another hugh-centric one um the reason oh. the, the reason this is it's, it's um it's because he went down there he went to have a nosy uh but this is the news that reading has its own covid19 mass vaccination center at the medeski stadium um hugh you went down there on monday
1: uh yes, I did, yes. Um I yeah, this is the new new um test not testing uh, vaccination center that has opened in the at the Mendeski Estate Mendeski Stadium. And um I went down I went down on Monday morning for the opening and I met the man who had the first jab there. He's a season ticket holder at Reading, which is nice. Yeah and um <laughs> They did something like ninety six, I think ninety six vaccinations there were during the day on Monday. That's gonna be upped massively to, to the to the thousands, they hope. Um, and it's um very convenient location for people anywhere in Reading or anywhere in you know, down the M four or anything like that. So like near the M four, fairly easy to get to, very easy to get to by public transport. Um, parking, um, not much activity because the hotel there's no one, very few people staying in the hotel i imagine i think the hotel's probably closed and um the mega stores closed and um there's no there's no you know there is football but uh, you know the basically there's a, there's a real lack of activity around that. So yeah. it's a good place it will be closed on Reading fc match days um so but that you know you won't be given an appointment on those days they're all they're all programmed in so it's the AstraZeneca vaccine they're doing there. Um, Did you both- get to
2: have
1: it? I haven't had it. I had to do a test to be able to go in there and just stick a swab up my nose, which wasn't really oh. Expected. Oh,
2: It's not but, pleasant,
1: um, is it? It's not pleasant, no, but I was, I was clear. So I was allowed in. That <laughs> would have been a bit of a bit of a blow to my day. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what was uh, what was it like in there, Hugh? I, the one thing I really picked up on, and I didn't want to – it felt a little bit um, kind of – you know besides the point but the carpet in there is quite something <laughs> the
2: carpet um, yes. i mean, not on what are you talking about
3: oh come on the carpet was meant it's 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 very 90s
2: right where is the story hmm. i need to see this jazzy carpet uh,
1: i didn't really know it's the carpet but when we were there there was a steady a fairly steady flow of people coming in and out which would be much more they they've sort of there they, they had pods for the for the vaccinations um which they're gonna they're potentially able to add many more to when it gets when it gets much busier. Um obviously they wanted to start slow to to get their processes the processes yes. their processes in place, um, so they're ready for the um, increase. But it looked like a very smooth operation to me. Everyone was everyone was happy. Um vaccines were getting done really quickly, so sort of three, four minutes it looked like, and people were people were saying how, how quick and efficient it was. And everyone was very friendly and, um, and it was fine. Um, there was no queue at all in the whole time I was there. Um, which I imagine there will be once it gets, gets busier, but, um, it looked like a very smooth operation and the vaccination, the vaccination generally seems to have been incredibly efficient and the amount of people that they've done already in this fairly short period of time, um, has been quite impressive and so with with um boris saying that every adult be have their jab by july that gives that gives us hope doesn't it a little bit how the come reaction. it
2: was um it says in the story that it was run by oxford health nhs foundation trust how come?
1: Uh, yeah it's it health the way health is um divided up is very complicated but oxford seems to be in charge of a lot of stuff in the southeast, So they do they've got one at the Kassam Stadium in um in Oxford. That's
2: yes, um, where my parents have to go this week for theirs. Yeah,
1: the three three sided monstrosity that is the Kassam Stadium. <laughs> and um there's one in Ayles, Aylesbury as well, I think. So they that I think Ox the the that health group is has been tasked with overseeing vaccinations in various different parts of the south rather than um the ones in berkshire for i don't know the ins and outs of why the nh how the nhs does things like that but um it certainly seemed like a, a smooth operation when i when i was there and everyone was everyone's was very happy and you would be wouldn't you when you when you get your jab you can sort of when you get the, the both doses of the jab that is a major yeah thing isn't it it's a major sign that things are getting back to normal i know there's talk of having to have it done every year and all, all that sort of stuff but um it, yeah they were sort of like the end of the tunnel was a phrase which was used on numerous occasions frequently um, frequently yeah so so yeah just you know when, when we get ours i've um, just
2: done the little calculator thing on the story to see when i'm going to get mine no, you'll get yours between July and September.
1: If they carry on doing it in age brackets, right, you'll get yours before ours.
2: Rude. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
1: I, I'm, dealing wasn't I'm dealing it. in facts. I'm dealing in facts. You are older. You're only just older. And
2: as you're senior, you should have more respect for me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um thanks you. Uh good luck to everybody going to the Reading mass vaccination centre at the Mideski Stadium. Oh, the other um,
1: thing, sorry, the other thing to point yeah. out which I thought was quite um not not fun necessarily because it, it means they've um they are they're using the directors boxes um for anyone who who feels a bit funny after having their vaccine. You get to go and sit sit and look at the pitch in the um in the, in the boxes at Madejski <laughs> Stadium. That's where you, that's where they go and sit with you if you have a have any kind of oh, reaction no. so so while i wouldn't wish any, anyone you know don't want anyone to have a reaction to it Yeah, hopefully um, that was empty yeah there was yeah there no there were no problems in the time i was there Um that's that sort of 100 i haven't heard of any um in the time i was there There's probably about 20, 20 or 30 people who had it done and so you know they they were saying how smooth it was going so um yeah but you know it's, you get to sit in the director's box which is some somewhere you may not normally go and
3: <laughs> fantastic um should we just move on to the last story um and this is, is it, probably inevitable um it's the news that reading beer festival has been cancelled again um this is by the organizing team uh, reading camera who run Reading Beer Festival it's the second year in a row they've now had to cancel it it's the first bank holiday weekend in May Rach this is this is very bad news
2: it is bad news because I can drink again now
3: yeah it's um, I wasn't I, so
2: bothered last summer because I wasn't allowed <laughs> to drink whilst pregnant I hasten to yes clarify
3: um it's it's obviously it's It's just going to come too soon, I think. Um, One of the main reasons that the the camera group, the Reading camera group, said they weren't going to be able to put it on was just the sheer um, logistics of getting it organised and set up and, um, you know... The, the cost it would take to actually put it on and then have to cancel it um, as they, as I think they would have done last year. I would imagine they'd already started planning for last year's event. So, um, you know, the sheer logistics of the of the situation in terms of putting on a beer festival, plus, you know, the idea of having, I think it's usually about 14,000 people over a weekend. You know, the logistics of having that many people uh, in one place, I just think I, I doubt that would... I doubt that would be a goer based on the roadmap set out currently for for COVID. Um, however, I do have a a little a little positive spin on this than ca- having to cancel it again, um, because some of you may or may not know, I organise a beer festival myself. I might have mentioned this. Once or twice, <laughs> Rach. Have you heard me okay.
2: No, I don't think so. No, no. I assume no. Oh. it's to do with Bracknell somewhere.
3: It is somewhere, somewhere over there.
2: <laughs> so yeah.
3: yeah, we we uh, the beer festival that I that I help organise is on the second bank holiday weekend in May, uh, and last year we had to cancel ours as well. Um, now, the one thing I would say is that organising a beer festival takes a lot of effort and a lot of stress and quite a lot of sleepless nights where you re- where you have nightmares about whether you remember to order beer or not, which is Ooh. a fundamental to holding a beer festival. And Despite you know never having forgotten to order beer, I have the same dream every year where I forgot to order any beer. So, um, all I would say is, is last year when we cancelled it, everybody was kind of people going, "Oh, you, you must be gutted because it would have been our tenth anniversary. You must be gutted. You can't, you can't do the beer festival." And kind of in the back of my head, I'm going, "I mean, yeah, but." but I don't have to organize a beer festival and it's you know it's quite a it's much more rela- I, I'll, I'll, I'll You've say, really
2: tried hard for that positive spin haven't I'll, you? I'll say
3: this for it it's much easier to not organize a beer festival than it is to organize a beer festival and um, well my, my positive spin is that they'll they'll sort of they'll because they have suggested they're going to try and organize something smaller later in the year but you know, two years off, re- bit of rest, bit a bit a of, bit of step back from it. You know, they're gonna they'll come back stronger in twenty twenty two. I would suspect. So there's every reason to suggest that the next big Reading Beer Festival will be superb.
2: I just had a little idea while you were talking. Then that was inspired by I was having a a Zoom chat with my pal up north, Gordy, last night. He had received for his birthday um, a lockdown survival pack from BrewDog that had uh, 24 cans of their different mm-hmm. beers in it. Um, and I was thinking, like, instead of having your beer festival, could you you could organize with the breweries that would normally be there or have ale there to have festival beer festival packs that people could buy that had like four different bottles of of beers or whatever in and then you they could sell so the the breweries would still profit from it people could have their own little beer festivals at home with a selection of different ales that they could have bought whilst they were there You've still got to organise, organise, shed loads of stuff and deliveries, but you know,
3: <laughs> you know, it, it, it sort of—you'd yeah, be doing
2: that anyway if it was going ahead. That
3: itch of wanting to organise something. So yeah. yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. That'd be
2: quite a good but idea.
3: I'm I'm hopeful that there will be some sort of Reading-y, beer-y, festival-y thing later in the year. We shall uh, we shall see. But yes,
2: yeah. maybe by so, the August bank holiday, yeah, things maybe. will be okay-ish maybe. enough. <laughs> we'll see.
3: Um, right, it is time for the random question <laughs> in part two.
0: The random question.
3: It's part two. It's the random question time. And um, so, this week's random question. Where do you mind not... No, hang on, I've got that the wrong way around. It's written here in big letters in front of me, and I still can't read it. Where do you not mind waiting? No. So where, where is it you go? I mean, to be honest, I'd happily stand in any queue at the moment, just for the, for the sheer normality of the situation, any queue whatsoever. But where where would you not mind queuing? right
2: now oh gosh
3: i think i'd I'd quite happily queue to go through the turnstile at any football ground in the country don't mind any queue
2: yeah standing in a a queue at a bar for a minute
3: Oh yeah normally that
2: would wind me right up yeah six
3: deep sweaty like really stressful trying to get hold of the bartender going hey come on
2: serve me up i was next yeah famished thirsty come on um yeah waiting just yeah in a queue to just get in anywhere social (laughs) um i don't know why i thought this popped in my head because i don't even particularly like it but like queuing for a roller coaster or something, some sort of cool (laughs) ride and watching, you know, when you can watch everybody else on it first. yeah. Being terrified and thinking, oh, my God, that's going to be me in a minute. Um,
1: Queue for a vaccine. What about that? Waiting for a long time to get my
2: jab. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. But (laughs) as you've already pointed out, Hugh, I'll be waiting ages for mine. Yeah. (laughs) Well, <laughs> no no
1: you, shoot, no! Wait longer than you
2: oh yeah it's the opposite way around isn't it yeah. <laughs> oh yeah i'm gonna be all good i'll be able no. to go out just think,
3: rachel if it makes you feel any better in the, the order of the queue of which the three of us are going to get jabs is you hugh and then me well me and too you, you two 40, are surely
2: in the same 30, gang aren't you 30 to
1: 40 tom we'll be in the same <laughs> i'll tell you what about q a queue at the airport to check in to go on a oh, holiday oh, to a well. hot place.
3: I don't know. Oh. I hate. I hate those airport queues where you're queuing. So I? Yeah, they are, I think I. I don't think I want no. No. Also,
1: no. we get to have. We get to have the first. Bre- Post-Brexit holiday experience as well. So you you have to stand in a different queue. <laughs> so um, so that it may maybe that. But if that. Q eventually ends up in ends in jetting off to somewhere hot with a nice seed to swim in for a couple of weeks.
2: Did you see on Monday night they like the holiday companies were reporting that they'd had a five hundred percent increase in bookings that night for holidays? Yeah.
1: Yeah. A friend
3: of mine. I don't think
2: I would you book something abroad yet, you guys? No.
1: No. No. We we were looking at something in October. Um but we haven't actually booked anything yet. I'll,
3: I'll be honest; I don't even really
1: like going abroad for holiday anyway. I so. know. If you go out in the sun in a temperature of above <laughs> twenty, Tom, you get sunburns. <laughs> <laughs> if the cloud, if the clouds part, yes.
2: You should just aim for Oktoberfest in Germany, Tom. That's no. more. That's more your bag, isn't it? It
3: is indeed. It's great. I've been. Mm. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, right, that is uh, the end. We're at the end. Um, if you want to tell us what queue you'd like to be in, tenuous as it is, um, here's Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us.
0: Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod, And join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast.
3: Thank you, Jeremy. That is quite enough for this week. We'll be back next week with plenty more. Um, We are going to start speaking to people very, very soon. We'll get you some interviews. Um, I've been thinking I might package up some of the older interviews and just chuck them out there again uh, at some point. But yeah, otherwise, um, normal service will resume very soon. The three of us should be back next week. Um, So I guess... uh, We'll turn up again next week for more Reading Podcast Goodness. I wasn't reading yeah. the script, sorry.
2: Could tell. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Absolutely faffed it. Um
2: bye. bye Bye.
0: You're listening to the Real Reading Podcast.